as we continue to use unlicensed music. Here we are. It's <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the Chance of Gaming podcast. And, Episode uh, 89 Remix. Yeah, it is. It really is. And with me always is Roy and Richard. Oh, I have, I'm going first this time. Yeah. Howdy. I'm Roy. See how I mixed I know. It. I'm not used to waiting for Roy. I know. I should have waited. I missed the, I mixed Start it up. Start the whole thing over. We can, F it. We'll do it live. Cut that. Cut that. Cut that. We can't. We're committed. Oh, yeah. That does remind me. The last episode of um, It's Always Sunny had uh, the waitress on, Charlie Day's oh, yeah, ac- actual wife. And, yes, yeah, yeah. she was great. I do wish we had spent more time with her talking versus that whole, like, 40-minute bit about shaving Glenn's head. But, yeah. hey, that's me. You know. Well, he, he was Mac was even talking about, he's like, we got a guest here. Maybe you guys could acknowledge her. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, this, this is my wife, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, anyway. Uh, this is it. This is us. I've got a convention coming up in October, see to Vicksburg. And we have a Patreon where I just dropped uh, something for the Patreon viewers uh, about a week ago. So there you go. And yeah, this is us. And hopefully, maybe Shannon thinks the audio levels are good this time. But we'll see. Who knows? I, I'm sure that he will let me know. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, you guys have been, like, watching some TV and some fun stuff. What? I have been watching TV. Yeah. I, uh, I went to see a couple of movies this weekend. Two very different movies. Uh-huh. On Friday, I went to see Thor Love and Thunder, which um, was pretty good. I mean, it's... Uh, it's a it's a summer blockbuster sort of movie, and this, there was plenty of humor, which I think is kind of that's kind of become the Thor brand. That there's oh yeah, it's very tongue in cheek. Um, the uh, uh, the uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy are in the opening scene, and they're they're fixing something or other, and one of the the that was given to them was a couple of gigantic goats that um, they scream constantly. And so they're in the rest of the movie, and like every time they they're they're pulling the, they're, every time you see them, they're screaming. So that was pretty funny. Now, um, I, yeah. I I will say I I haven't seen it, and uh, not yet. Maybe tomorrow. Really excited to see it. It's been really strange to me to see the response to it uh, on the internet, and it's not good and i don't understand that at all it's people like well you know it's kind of like a really heavy you know story for uh what is a comedy and i don't know all i know is people keep saying they want more gore g-o-r-r whoever that (laughs) so uh well okay the the i'm just gonna come out and say it that actor is christian bale but it is somebody that you you like. So Batman showed up. Oh shit! (laughs) I told you guys. You know he's one of those actors that has a reputation for being a very um, uh, transforming himself for for different roles and stuff. Oh sure. And he's just about yeah. (laughs) He's just about unrecognizable in this in this movie. I'm like God, that guy looks familiar. Oh, of course it's Christian Bale. Hmm. Yeah, the opening scene is pretty pretty brutal, pretty wrenching. Um, so yeah, it was it was a it was a good movie. Um, I I didn't know all of the backstory that well, but 
but whatever. Um, and then the next movie that I saw, totally different, is called Where the Crawdads Sing. Have you guys heard about this phenomenon? Nope. Okay, so this is it's set in uh, 19... Well, set in the 1960s, and it's about this girl who lives out in the swamp all by herself in South Carolina. Um, and um, there's a mysterious murder that happens in the swamp. And, of course, everybody says she's the weird girl that lives alone. Um, they think it's her. So it's kind of tell it's the, the story of the trial of her. So it's a little bit of a mystery. That's a little bit of a courtroom drama, but mostly it's about um, how she got to be there and um, just how she lived her life and the relationships that she fostered amongst um, various people that kind of touched her life. So it's um, it's an interesting movie. It's a, it's a I don't know, it's, what's the phrase? Southern, I don't know. It's a southern drama, essentially. I, I, where the crime is. I will definitely say that it is extremely popular among white ladies down here in the South. <laughs> yeah. The, so the theater that we went to, which uh, was Sperry's Movie House, which is a, a local chain, it's a very kind of a luxurious um, uh, movie theater. Um, the There were probably five people in the theater for Thor, Love and Thunder, and where the crawdads thing was sold out. And the the clientele was... Yeah, there was plenty of uh, blue hair to be had. That's a big book. That's all I know. Yeah, really, really big. So, uh, Rich, you sat down and watched Archive 81? Yeah, I've got one episode left, so I'm not quite done with it, but I was just just sort of flipping through looking for something that looked interesting on Netflix and started watching. The first episode was good. I got halfway into the second one. I thought, my wife would really like this, so I actually stopped, and then we've been watching it together. But um, it's just sort of a unexpected pleasure the only thing is I, I already know that there's not a second season i've got one episode left so i'm i'm curious to see if it's going to have a good ending or if it's just going to have one of those cliffhanger endings that'll never be resolved so don't tell me i'll find out soon enough but um i guess what i will say about this is if you are a fan of call of cthulhu like just in general not necessarily lovecraft's works but the the rpg and including lovecraft and all that stuff this hits those exact same vibes. I mean, it just feels oh. like a Call of Cthulhu story. It's got, it's got cultists. It's got, you know, guys that are going crazy, and and, and it's got characters that don't know if they're crazy or not. And it's just, it's really good. And it's like right. everyone in it almost is an actor I've never seen before. There's one actor you've seen him in a couple small things, but pretty much everyone in it is someone new. This uh, sort of looks like the mother of all found footage movies. Yeah, I, that's probably a good way to describe it. Yeah, I mean, it's, okay. it's it, it is a found footage movie in that the main character, his job is restoring damaged videotapes. So. Okay. Yeah. Like uh, uh, Cloverfield was kind of, you know, when Cloverfield was first announced, yeah. people were speculating right. that it was a, a Cthulhu movie. And yeah. it could have been. Yeah. Yeah, I, f I forgot about that one. I haven't seen that one in a while, but yeah. Well, um, hmm, what to say, what to say. Um, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm incredibly familiar with that because it is a podcast that I followed for a long time. And So uh, the podcast came before the show, right? Way before. Okay. I started listening to the podcast um, just because I heard there was one, and then I quickly realized it was 
at least the same characters, if not the exact same story. And the podcast just didn't seem as well done. It was like, it just felt like radio drama, which I'm not really interested in. Oh, well, I mean, it is very strange because, uh, I mean, it gets really, really fucking weird uh, after after yeah. after the first season. Like, the, 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 the second one... And I was like, damn, that was weird. And then by the third one, they were like, ah, let's stop that. It gets really, really weird. But still, all very Cthulhu-esque shit, crazy stuff happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could totally see it being like some kind of uh, RPG campaign. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I thought about that as I was watching it. Not only just because it hits those same vibes, but also almost all Call of Cthulhu games are like set in the 20s. And this is modern. And there is Cthulhu modern rules out there, but it's it's a little bit of a neglected side of it that I think could use some more good stuff, and this fits right in there. I got to play some Cthulhu uh, not too long ago, and uh, I unfortunately did not get a good sense of like how it plays, like you know the mechanics and whatnot. But you know, anyway. Did you play it at the? RPG Fest a few weeks ago you went to? Uh, no, no, no. It was after. It was uh, done okay. locally. And uh, it was a local game. And I ended up... I started it, but then ended up having to miss, like, the last two sessions. and uh, Which apparently went really, really well. So... Uh, but, yeah. I did not get a feel for, like, how it plays. But, <clears throat> anyway. Uh, hey, uh, sorry. I, I have something to add about podcasts. Yeah. Um, have, what sorts of uh, like episodic fictional podcasts have you guys listened to? Like like radio drama. Like uh, let's see, uh, Where Alive. Appalachia. Okay, I've I've seen or heard part of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I binged the hell out of that when I first heard the um, the uh, RPG was announced. Yeah. And, uh, oh it, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and I ended up okay. back. I ended up backing the uh, the the what you call it for it. But, PDF. Well, I, I think I packed the physical. Uh, <laughs> you know, I just got the PDF for that one. Uh, okay, sure. so, so you're looking for like um, lie, like um, drama, like. Well, yeah. there were two um, zombie uh, podcasts that I listened to called um, "We're Alive," which was great, and then there was another one called "HG World," Home and Garden World, where kind of their base was in like a like a uh, Home Depot. Um, and the for whatever reason the HG world really fell off um, because well I think because that they just kind of they kept uh, adding so many characters I think people's you know friends and acquaintances said well I want to do a character I want to do a character and then it just got really watered down and I think it the quality of it really kind of <laughs> tapered off that that would have um, that would have been me it'd been like Roy's successful zombie uh, you know a podcast I'd be like Roy you know I, I kind of want to do a character you know yeah look and then there was one that was uh, was it called the white the white something the white vault the white... yes it's great is that the no is that the one that's uh, set in the arctic and they find uh, some kind of a ruin and then there's some kind of a monster that that comes so it's kind of like um, ice station zebra uh, yeah. Sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a, okay. there's a Lovecraft story called, I think it's Beyond the Mountains of Madness. Yep. That is similar yep. to that. Okay, yeah. That's, uh, you know, 
there were there there have been a few that have really kind of stood out, but I those I would imagine that those are very hard to produce and and uh, you know make them great over many episodes. I'm scrolling through my uh, Overcast list, and I saw the ones that uh, stick out to me are Broken Escalator, uh, Girl in Space, because uh, that you this used to be like all I listened to. Homecoming, which I loved before it was a um, oh yeah an Amazon with, uh, series with Catherine Hahn, I think. I think so. Uh, the okay. the last movie, Limetown. Oh shit. The king, the absolute king of these uh, horror fiction podcasts is the Magnus Archives. And, and I, yeah, I've heard them. I don't think I've, I've heard like samples of them before. Oh, the, I mean, there are hundreds of episodes that all tie together, more or less. They're all. There was a, a short run one called, I believe it's called The Signal, something like that. It was maybe only about six or eight episodes. Ah, yep, I know what you're talking about. A bit of audio tape that everybody that listened to it ended up dead. Right. And I think the only one other on here is, which I haven't listened to, that I've downloaded to listen, is The uh, the Town Whispers. But you mentioned uh, We Are Alive. That's been on my list for dead gum, like, years now. And I I think... That's pretty good. I think it spawned, like, two sequels at this point. Yes. But, yeah. I think they had maybe three or four seasons... And then they, yeah, they had some spinoff episodes too. Yeah. But, yeah. but again, I think it's very hard to do. Like, there's a lot of post production that goes into it. Oh yeah, and you've got to actually know you, you and just your friends can't do this. You need to know voice actors, you know, to yeah. to be able to do this. It can't, yeah. Which I mean, at at a certain point, you get enough weight that like you can hire people. Like, but going into it, you know, yeah, it's it's going to be amateurs and people that are just kind of new in the business i don't know roy we've been doing this for a long time now we we, we don't have oh. the we don't have the weight to hire anybody yet <laughs> I, I, I well i still feel like a rank amateur so you know but i'm sure there's plenty of people that would agree with me mate well maybe you know that's that's the thing is it's just our type of podcast people just don't care but if we were doing a fiction podcast where we had a good story maybe i don't know uh could be it could be a thing Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, in more joyous uh, news, I have been uh, Solar Opposites on Hulu has returned for a third season, and I've seen I, some of that. I, I laugh my ass off like every damn uh, episode. It's it's that Rick and Morty ridiculous. It's done. Mm-hmm. By, I'm oh my god! I'm gonna talk out of my ass real quick. I'm ninety nine percent sure it's done by the same people. And yes. because uh, the one of the main characters is, does is voiced by the same guy who voices Rick, because uh, I, I Roland? yeah yeah so I can hear him hear uh, uh-huh. hear hear that and yeah it's just really fucking funny it's aliens that ended up on Earth and they're supposed to uh, terraform it but they're just a bunch of miserable fuck ups that they can never do anything right and <laughs> the government leaves mm-hmm. them alone because they leaked them. Uh, um, technology and their entire town is afraid of them because uh, they do you know like well they get mad at people and use sci-fi guns to turn them into things so mm-hmm. yeah it's really funny 
Anyway, and uh, Resident Evil dropped on Netflix. I've enjoyed... I'm about three quarters through it and enjoying it. And the Resident Evil community and the internet fucking hates it. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, there you go. I mean, I guess... I guess I'm not best that vested into Resident Evil. That it, it would anger me like it has angered many people. And, uh, yeah, so... That's that's okay, it. I'm, I'm going to show my age here. I think that I rented, like rented the <laughs> uh, the original one, and played it. I rented it from Blockbuster or something. Well, because there used to be a store called Blockbuster where you could go, you drive to the store, and you could rent video games and movies and bring them back to your house. That sounds stupid. Yeah, I it probably was. made you rewind them too. Well, look, only if you felt kind. Uh, when when it dropped to $250, I went out and purchased an original PlayStation. Now, that was not the launch price. I think the launch price was like five dollars or $600. took a long fucking time for it to drop to that cheap. So I bought that, and I remember going into EB Games. Kids, that's what we used to call GameStop. Uh, going in there and saying, hey, what is a must-have game? this and they're like here you go sir it's resident evil so i took it home me and my wife at the time fucking loved it 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 had all these great jump scares it had cool gameplay a great story and all that and they've put out like a billion games since and i honestly can't tell you the last one i played I maybe pl- I think it was the one that came out on the Switch, not the Switch, the the GameCube. Like maybe f- I played it for like five minutes, whatever the Village one was. I fuck, I don't know. I don't even remember. Uh, with the with the, the the big booty vampire. No, I I quit playing. No, like, what am I thinking of? No, no, there oh, is right. there is one of those that the, that is okay. a Resident Evil game, but um, okay. I I I quit playing. Like I think it was set in South Africa. And like it was all these South Af, it was all these Saf- or just in Africa, and there were a bunch of zombies. And I think that was the last one I played. But you know, whatever. Uh, I don't know. But uh, I'm not that vested in it. But you know, anyway, we are getting a Fallout TV series, which is coming from somebody with Walton Goggins. So that's good. Yeah, I mean, that's I've never, I'm not not a big Fallout fan. Not. That I have anything against it. I'm just not super into it, but if it's Walt Goggins, I'm interested. Is he? He's the. He's an actor. I'm not sure who that is. He, he was in. I mean, the things I know him best for is The Shield. Yes. And, uh, Justified. Okay. Oh. But he's been in uh, a lot of other stuff too. He was in Django Unchained and some other, lots of other things. Okay. If you okay. saw his face, you'd recognize him. Holy yeah, shit! I was gonna say, right. ho- go holy shit! He's Baby Billy. And the Righteous Gemstones, which is one of the greatest things ever current you can currently watch on HBO. All right, it's so good. It's See, yeah, just fucking I'm fantastic. Yes, love it. Anyway, uh, so um, what have you been playing, Roy? Uh, okay, so it's been we had Prime Day, and my wife decided we needed some more games, which. <laughs> you should marry. You should marry her. Wow, <laughs> I have. Okay, time to uh, time so, to time to renew the vows. I guess so. Yeah. 
so she picked up a game called Planet, which um, I remember seeing this maybe at Gen Con. I don't know, but it has, it's played with, uh, it's a dodecahedron, so a 12-sided figure, um, and you stick hex, uh, pentagonal tiles onto it to make a little planet. And so every round you, um, you draw a tile and stick it on there. And then there's a scoring card that's, that's kind of thrown up randomly, and you score like, so for Arctic Foxes, uh, that is every forest that's touching ice, you can score that. Um, so you're, you're collecting cards. So it's, um, it's a little bit random. It's a little bit mindless. It's a quick game, and it's cute. Um, innovative in that you're taking the little, little uh, pentagons and sticking them onto the, um, onto the tiles, or onto the, the sphere that you have, the dodecahedron, excuse me. Uh, so it plays four. And it's, uh, it's a pretty light game from Blue Orange. Um, have either of you guys seen this before? Richard. No, I don't think I have. Richard. Okay. Richard, I was. what language is Roy speaking? He said dodecahedron and some other Cthulhu. That's Latin. Just say D12. Some other, D12. Some other Cthulhu-esque uh, term <laughs> that I didn't get. I think it had, uh, is that math? I don't know. I would, yes. Uh, and so then I played, this has been a, while, a little bit ago, um, I played Arc Nova, which is kind of, I think in some ways, is kind of the new hotness. Have you guys seen this? I've seen it. I haven't played it. So it is a zoo management game. Um, and boy, howdy, is it dense. It's, it's very complex. And um, if you're a fan of Terraforming Mars, it kind of has the same sort of feel in that I believe every card is unique and some of the cards are animals that you can uh, bring into your zoo. Um, you, there's a, you have five action cards that you can choose from and so it goes on your player board on one through five and then whatever you choose, let's say I choose the number three, then it has to cool down. It goes to the one spot and everything shifts up. Um, so there's some cards, like if you're going to draw an animal card, if you're going to play an animal card, no, sorry, if you're going to draw a card from the deck, you can't even do that at level one. So you have to, like, you have to, like, let it cool. And then as, as you play more cards in later turns, it will move up in power. Um, so you're playing uh, supporter cards that will let you do things. Um, you're playing... Um, you know, you're bringing animals into your habitat, and that might give you a an instant bonus, or it might give you an ongoing bonus. Uh, but like, so to play the Komodo dragons, for example, so that was a card that I I had gotten. You need to have, you know, like a four space habitat or a reptile house to put it into. Well, you can only build a reptile house if your building card is upgraded. So there's different ways to um, expand your your zoo. You um, some cards when you play them you get more income per round, and some cards when you play them you get more research per round or more just more research. Um, what is it called? It's called um, oh, it's called conservation and appeal. And so you they start on opposite ends of the score track, and when they cross that's game end. 
uh, and then everybody like totals up their their scores, and it, it the your score is based on how far beyond this one marker that you go. So I ended up with one point. That was my ending score was one. <laughs> it's like the first time I played uh, Feast for Odin. I don't think I got to zero. Oh yeah. I, I think my wife ended up with uh, maybe 11 or 16, something like that. I actually have a zoo story. Okay. Um, I had a friend who... The backstory of this is a lemur from the Hattiesburg Zoo escaped. And uh, ended up at my friend's apartment complex. And so he went to take out his trash... And the thing hopped out of the dumpster as he was doing it. And my friend had been drinking a lot, so he reached out his hands to this weird-looking raccoon thing. And uh, it jumped on him, and he took it into his apartment where more people were drinking. And they all, they all took pictures with it for like five minutes, five or ten minutes, before they realized this thing might have to poop or something. So let's call the cops and, you know... And do it. So, yeah, he ended up with a lemur, had a lot of great pictures, and I really hate I had to work that night because I, cool. I missed getting a selfie with a lemur. So, there you go. They eat a lot of fruit, I think. So yeah. Maybe maybe strawberry Pop-Tarts would have been the... Uh... <laughs> now, now, is that King Julian? Is he a lemur? Yeah. From, From uh, Madagascar? Yeah. I think so, yeah. I think that's the only place where lemurs are uh, native, is Madagascar. Okay, so he just wanted to move it, move it. So there you go. I guess so, yeah. So what else? You've got... Oh. Yes. Yeah, so uh, a week and a half ago, I don't know, uh, Adam, you sent me a text from uh, the the people at Rolled, the app. (laughs) Yeah, okay, yeah. I I was... that people listen to this. No, 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 okay. So I went and I downloaded the Rolled app. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, well, okay, what we're missing here is the people at Rolled, this app that we're now talking about, who wanted an interview, emailed chanceofgaming at gmail.com, and were speaking to Richard and Roy and talked about how they loved their show. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and so I was like, huh, well, fuck me then. <laughs> So, so yeah. I, I have a copy of it on my phone right now, and um, it's uh, yeah, it's great. So the it is a I, I haven't paid for anything. So when you make a roll, at the bottom of the screen it says like uh, presented by, and it'll have one of the sponsors. And if you feel compelled, you can click that link, and go to the sponsor's webpage, or you know kind of learn about what the sponsor has to say. So anyway, that was the Rolled app, which I now am uh, going to start using. And that's available on Google and Android. Okay, so can you uh, just, like, do any roll, like, if I, especially, like, weird stuff, like if I want to roll, like, three D16s? Well, okay, so there's Fate Dice are in here now, which apparently is a new thing. Um, so Those are the ones with the plus and minus, right? What, sorry, what did you want me to roll? Uh, like, well, fake dice are the ones which just the pluses and minuses, right? Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Um, oh, okay, there we go. 
So I can do A to Z. So I can do a, um, I can roll a, roll a letter. I can do custom dice. So I can adjust. I can do a D5. So I can do the, the Zaki, Zaki dice. Or the, no, sorry, not Fate, Fudge. I'm not familiar with the Fudge dice. But anyway, so roll that. Okay, well. Check it out. Uh, you mentioned like buying uh, board games on Prime Day. I don't know if it was related yeah. to Prime Day, but it happened around it. Uh, Descent Legends of the Dark was half off, so I ordered that. So it, that's like a hundred and seventy dollar game that wow. that was like half off. I mean, come on, this is going to happen to any big ass release, any giant Kickstarter. It's just the nature of things. Especially yeah. anything that comes from a major thing, uh, company, eventually it's going to be half off. It just depends how quick you want to buy the game and uh, how quick you want to play it. This is the one that's app-based, but I'm really interested in trying it out. Uh, so maybe I'll actually get that. That Conceivably, that could actually get to the table decently. Other than that... Uh, in- endorsed by Ronnie James Dio. Really? No, no, I, I don't think, know. I don't know. Legends of the Dark. <laughs> Didn't he have a song called "Shot in the Dark"? Rainbow, Rainbow in the Dark. Rainbow, okay. Shot in the Dark oh. was Ozzy Osbourne. So, just saying. Okay. Uh, okay. we I participated. Hey, that might might in fact be endorsed by Ozzy Osbourne, but if you call him, you know. A few days later, he'll say, "I didn't do anything like that." So I'm just going to say that yeah, it was him. Well, interestingly enough, that might be a sore subject because uh, Ronnie James Dio ended up fronting for Black Sabbath for a year or two. And so, yeah, just might be a thing. So, Anyway, uh, July 16th was Dungeon Crawl Classics Day, and I was surprised, but we have a guy in my area who's a really good Dungeon Crawl Classics GM, and I went and played that. We... Had to conquer a ziggurat. Do you know what those are? Yeah, it's a pyramid. Yeah, basically. It's a fancy word for pyramid. And we had to get up the pyramid and stop this uh, summoning thing uh, within 20 turns. And, uh, and also, when we got closer to it, time got weird. So you could lose turns and you could gain turns. So I died and got, but I got better, uh, uh, you know, a couple of times, but uh, it went well. It went well. I, I really dig this. This is probably my most experience with role-playing has been Dungeon Crawl Classics. And this, I played a halfling gypsy, and I was like, I have a theme song. And so I played uh, Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves by Cher. I even named, mm-hmm. my, I named my halfling Cher, and the people didn't get it. And I'm like, dadgum millennials. You guys don't know shit. Ugh. You young punks, you. I know. It's like I'm. I'm like I'm a too old. Well, well, yeah. What What's the meme with uh, Professor uh, uh, Principal Skinner? Am I Am I Am I too old? Am I too out of touch? Or are the kids just wrong? Yes. No, it's the kids who are wrong. Yes, they're wrong. So anyway, had a lot of fun. I continue to lose throughout my Blood Bowl league, so uh, that keeps going. I've got my uh, Dark Elves, but I'm losing less than I did with my Dwarves. Uh, I have been working on, actually, I have this long-term relationship with Castles and Crusades. 
which is a role-playing game slash system from Troll Lord Games. I ended up buying into it several years ago because they put like a whole bunch of modules for sale for like a dollar. And I ordered like 90 of them. And so I'm like, well, I'm kind of invested in this game. Maybe I should finally get around to learning the system. So I've been kind of working on that. And I'll work on that for the supplemental podcast I have over on Anchor for the uh, Patreon guys. And uh, yeah, it is really neat. It seems to be very early D&D. You know, you roll 3d6 for your stats and uh, you're making tests on D20. You know, it's it's very similar to Dungeon Crawl Classics. But anyway, so I'm going to continue working on that. And also during DCC Day, I was surprised to see that a group of about six people it were in my local shop and decided to do demos for War Machine to try to get it off the ground. And they were like, if you participate in this demo, we will give you a army for War Machine. So they had tons and tons of extra figures and stuff to give away. So it was, oh, wow. yeah, it was really don't, interesting. Don't tell me stuff like that. I, I mean, I don't need to get new systems. Well, I mean, it's, I get it. I mean, that's kind of like how, I mean, that's a really good way to get things off the ground. And they had people engaged, had people playing. Mildly. So are the figures still, they're not, not all metal anymore, are they? No, because, um, you know, I, okay. I, I played it 100 years ago, so I was very interested to, like, look at them. And a lot of them are resin or plastic nowadays. Okay. So uh, that was neat. And um, I was like, man, I really wish I had, like, time to sit down and do the demo because I want to, you know... I don't know. I enjoyed playing it, uh, but that was many years ago. I like it is plays on a four by four table, and um, yeah, uh, it's probably less than twenty figures per side, and eh, I just don't know what the future of the game is. And what I really hate is every time I see somebody playing the game, I'm like, hey. Are you interested in that new sci-fi game they did? And they're like, mm, no. They're like, uh, we just don't want, we don't want to, uh, you know, learn a new system. And I'm like, uh, okay, uh, fair enough. But still, that seems to be what the, you know, the freaking uh, company is pushing nowadays. But, eh, I don't know. But you know, it seems so. Like my favorite. Uh... 40k faction is the Tau. Yeah. This seems like this is the Tau. Like, everybody plays Tau. But with better close combat, hopefully. Maybe. Uh, it, I mean, it does have a lot of factions, and I appreciate that over two different books, and they're they're on the same, on like the third rule book, and yeah, it's they seem to be going well, but just following along on the internet is a lot of uh, game stores just don't want to carry it. They're like, it, they have too many SKUs, and uh, yeah, it's just not worth it. Because they be mm -hmm. they have, my big complaint with it is they have a release schedule like Magic the Gathering. It So they are putting out like four to six major releases every year. 
whereas Games Workshop will put out like one major release a year maybe uh 1.5 a year and that's it so yeah i don't get it so that makes the power creep just go like crazy oh yeah absolutely you have to you have to keep up on this and granted it is designed for competitive play but you know whatever anyway so uh, my daughter said to me i think it was just yesterday she goes you know what game i want to play magic the gathering i'm like oh no (laughs) well (laughs) you could take her down to your flgs on um on friday uh and do friday night magic and just have fun and i i think that would work out really good you know i mean you could just follow along you don't have to play modern or you know anything like that you could just play whatever the um release is and yeah so yeah, uh, it's it's really nice. Uh, I get you know, but you know, there's that whole you're constantly dumping money into it, like right. every. And that's every, what I told her. Yeah. I was like, it's there's a reason it's a popular game. I'm sure people like it. I've never played it myself, but I know people that like it. I said, but it's it's a treadmill that you're going to have to get on. Hmm. It's very very true. Uh, speaking of, uh, my FLGS has ended their discount of Games Workshop games. Because, specifically, Games Workshop, and in their infinite wisdom, decided to up their prices for what uh, their games cost to the FLGS. Originally, we were getting 15% off, which is what you can get at, like, Miniature Market or wherever. It is the maximum legally allowed discount buy games workshop in the u.s and what they said was we have to end it because if we kept giving it we would only make four percent on the sale so under the new things so they really think it's this big push to kind of kill uh, stores selling their stuff which doesn't make any sense to me they also said like uh when they do pre-orders pre-orders are live on the games workshop website a week before they're allowed to pre-order them so it's you know gw wants you to buy it directly from them so they get all that sweet sweet profit so anyway i just thought that was interesting you know from a retailer's point of view as to how that would work and uh yeah anyway so uh richard what have you been playing uh, actually, just today, I played another game of Pandemic Legacy Season Zero, so we're more than halfway through it now. We lost today because, well, the commies just took over and spread their nasty diseases around, so we'll try again tomorrow, but I think um, our, our daughter is going back to college in about about a month or so, so I think we're, we're going to make an effort to try to finish up Season Zero before she goes back, so we played that today. Um, yesterday at our game day, I played Nevsky, which I think is a game I've talked about with you guys before, but it's a, it's a Volker Runka game. It's the first in his, his new series called Levian Campaign. Um, and this one takes place in like 1240 between Germany and Russia. It's an operational medieval war ga- warfare game. Um, and it's just, it's fantastic. Um, but it's tough. I mean, it's, it's a game that you have to constantly be thinking two or three turns in advance. So it's a hard game to, to get into. 
Um, but once you get into, I love it a lot. Um, I played, this was actually before I went out of town, but I had Next War Vietnam on my table here at home. Uh, and I just, I played most of the standard game. Uh, I didn't quite finish up the whole campaign, but I just wanted to play that for a while. Next War is one of those games I just kind of keep coming back to. And at this time it happened to be Vietnam. So next time it might be something else. Um, and then another game, this, so this is one I've never played before, but it's on Board Game Arena now, is Tigris and Euphrates. So this is a, it's a classic game. I've never played it before. It's a tile-laying game. Honestly, I have no idea what I'm doing. I, I put down tiles. I'm like, oh, that's red, and I need red points, so I'll play this one. And I see my number go from five to six. And then I'll come back, and because we're not playing live, we're playing, you know, you get notified when it's your turn. I'll come back, and I'll, I'll see that something happened, and I have no idea what. So have you guys played Tigris and Euphrates before? No, I've not. I've seen it. But I've never uh, played it. Yeah. So this is the first time I've ever played it. I'll probably play it some more. I mean, I assume there's a reason it's a classic. So far, it hasn't necessarily hooked me. But again, I have no idea what I'm doing. So. Well, it's a it's a Ranger Kinesia game. Yeah. So I mean, he's done a ton of them. Yeah. And you can play it on uh, Board Game Arena now. So. Oh, all right. I uh, you mentioning uh, the the next war reminded me of of <laughs> one thing. Uh, next war Vietnam that I was today years old when I learned what a <laughs> toad killer dog was uh, that he told me once and I forgot is it from a comic or something uh, it, it's from uh, the black company the Glenn Cook series oh, and okay, it's, okay. it's fantastic and uh, it's a fantastic series and I I remember when I first heard it I, so just in case you don't know what Adam's talking about, uh, Mitchell Land, the designer of the Next War series, uh, his sort of internet handle is Toad Killer Dog. Uh, ah, and I, I recently think I was lost. Yeah, I, I was like, that's so weird. But I was like, it sounds familiar. I'm like, is that something from <laughs> Dune? Or you know, no. And um, yeah, turn turns out nope, it's from the Black Company, which I am about to start rereading. So anyway. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, if you wanted to 3D print one of those, though, I know who you could call. Who would you call? It, Ghostbusters? That'd be Mike at Alter Dementia, and you'll see the link in the show notes. <laughs> you could even use the discount code COG2019 to get 20% off the printing of said Toad Killer Dog. So, there you go. Segways. So we yeah, do yeah, that's how we do. Um, I, so on to like what's on your radar. I thought, I, you know me, I'm obsessed with Mega Dungeons, and so there is a Mega Dungeon Jam going on on. How do you pronounce that? Itch.io, I guess. Yeah, that's what yeah. I've always done it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, there's one going on from Morkborg, and it has a whole bunch of stuff on there, and I look forward to actually purchasing it. And Every time be... I see anything from Morkborg, I think of you. Yeah, Morkborg. <laughs> yeah, uh, look, I, I, I love the fact I saw on Reddit recently. Like, um, the term Muppet is like an extremely negative thing. Like in the UK, like if you call someone a fucking Muppet, <laughs> it is like horrible. Sounds like something Bill Burr would say. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I always think of that with Morkborg. But you know. <laughs> Right up there with Tosser. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I like that. The tosser, yeah. And the tossers were really good. So, um, uh, the next thing was Leviathan's The Great War, the flying World War II ironclad game is finally coming to Kickstarter uh, August 2nd. And damn, I really think this game has been in development for like a fucking decade or more at this point. But, uh... I'm going to call out DJ Tasty Freeze, who had a uh, starter set of this, and still has it, I'm sure, from way back in the day. But that's right. I forgot. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, I forgot. It actually had a release, but it was very small. Something happened, and then they didn't get it together, and I don't know. But, yeah, it's coming back, I guess. So, yeah. All right. I will, I will let him know. And uh, the next thing was Wings of Glory, which is a great World War Two, World War One and Two. But Wings of Glory is World War One, a tabletop game that uh, mm-hmm. was the inspiration for X Wing. Is coming yep. to Steam, you know, sooner or later. I stumbled upon this because people were really mad that the development for Blood Red Skies, the electronic version of that, has faltered, and this is available. So, there you go. That's pretty cool. I just put it on my wish list. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's a hell of a lot. If you like X-wing, that is exactly how it plays, and uh, it's World War One. Your, of course, your ranges are a lot narrow, is smaller, but yeah, still a lot of fun. So. The next thing we so how ha- would an X-wing do against the Southwick Camel? Um, I think they could both barrel roll, and it just depends. I think the X-wing is going to have on the pilot. Yeah, the X-wing is going to have the advantage with the proton torpedoes if they paid for them. So, yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> Wedge versus the Red Baron. Mm-hmm. These are the debates that will go down in history. No, no, no. Luke versus Snoopy. That's what I want to see. <laughs> That's what I want to see. All right. So, I discovered recently the world of Cinnabar, which every time I say that, I think it's the... <laughs> it sounds like Cinnabon. <laughs> yes, it's the world the world of uh, Cinnabon. And, you know, it's actually, a you know, a, an RPG about, like, food court fighting and something. But this was a RPG back in... First published around 1993. And I love how... And you'll have this... I have this linked in the show notes. The the Wikipedia article lists it as it is noted largely for its exceptionally poor design. <laughs> uh, it. Uh, What's the one where you have to like roll for penis size and all that? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. Maybe that was uh, Chuck Tingle, but I'm not sure. I have those. I have. Oh, there's a. I can't think of the name of the RPG <laughs> right now, but there's one that's just like ridiculous and yeah, makes make, made me think of that. Well, okay, again, we talk about this like every 16th episode or so. What was the porn uh, D&D game? The, not Book of Vile Darkness, uh, the Book of Erotic Fantasy. Yeah. that I remember when that was released, and I think that was for either 3.0 or 3.5, maybe 4? I don't know, but anyway. So, uh, I... Fatal. That was the name of the one. I fatal. just remembered it. Fatal. Yeah. Like F A T A L, uh huh, yeah. Fatal RPG. Oh yes, fantasy adventure to adult lechery. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll link this in the show right. notes. And uh, 
wow. I just, I don't know. Look, I really enjoy like role playing, and you know, I've been doing. It seems so easy and quick and whatever to do. I just cannot imagine like sitting down with my gaming group, or you know, I mean, be it be a ver- bunch of dudes or a mixed company or whatever. I just that's that, that's not where I what I want to do. Like when I role play is like I don't want to be like. I mean, I like making jokes and stuff that might be lewd, but I don't want to be like, well, roll for, you know, D4 dildo points or whatever. I don't want to do any of that. It's just weird. I don't know. Although, I kind of want to do the Chuck Tingle RPG because it's so fucking ridiculous, but I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, back to Cinnabon. I'm sorry, Cinnabar. I thought it was interesting because it's set on Mars 50,000 years in the future. They hollowed out Mars and turned it into a spaceship and took off with humanity to uh, get to a safe place after the Earth was destroyed. So, you know, there you go. Just like kind of... Space 1999. Yes, exactly. Except it was Mars and not the moon and I don't know. And, and it was planned instead of a, what, a, it was, an, yeah, never mind. An, an ac- instead of a nuclear accident. Look, yeah. I lo- fucking love Space 1999 uh, because... I, I have very vague memories of it from when I watched it as a kid. I love the aesthetics of it because I love retrofuturism. And it's straight up 70s. Everybody's running around skin-tight bell-bottoms, you know. They're still printing stuff off to, to look at things. And the uh, now the eagles are like just amazing um, sci-fi ships. Because they're like we're they're not designed to fly in atmosphere, so they're very blocky. It's just really cool, but you know. Anyway. Yeah. So I think this did. There was a third edition of this game funded in 2013, and yeah, it says it was expected to be re-released in 2015, but remains only partially com- complete as of June 2020. So there you go. Just thought it was weird. And, uh, yeah, the next thing, speaking of X-Wing, uh, Snapships, the constructible yeah. miniature game is coming, and it looks to play exactly like X-Wing. As of this podcast recording, they wanted a measly 65 grand. With 10 days to go, they're up to $184,000. So, I'm trying to see. Now, yeah. I was signed up to play this at a convention that I'm going to at the beginning of august and then i i don't know it looked a little cheesy when i looked a little deeper into it so i think i uh I passed it does up look a little ticket. cheesy but it looks interesting too I, honestly what yeah. it looks like to me is it looks like the stuff we would build with legos when i was a kid <laughs> yeah because not only do you pick like i mean like an x-wing you know you you pick your ships and you you know pay for weapons and pilots and all that but on this one you actually physically change the ship yeah it, I thought it was available, already available, but I must be mistaken. No, no, uh, Roy. Uh, Snapships have been available, and it was just a toy where you could, you know, just you get it, you build your ship for to, oh for, for aesthetics or so whatever. There's a rule set attached to it. Yes, that's it. Okay, all right, I, I understand now. Yeah, it's. I think at, with this, uh, it's for a hundred bucks. You get the starter. Which is uh, one copy of the game. Uh, it doesn't say. You get a squadron, 
for $1.99, and that's for epic 3x3 battles. That's one box set, one elite ships, elite ships pack, one scout ship, and four extra stands. Um, yeah, I mean, it. I mean, to me, it looks kind of interesting, and I... But the ships are fucking enormous. It looks like yeah. <laughs> it looks like the uh, the starter set only comes with one ship each side, and then you get to put it together and get upgrades oh, wow. and and all that. So I don't know. Yeah, the cubes are twenty millimeters on a side, which is almost an inch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these. I, I do uh, have a problem with this Kickstarter page, though. It says the best ship is the one you create. Obviously, they've never played a game with me. Ah. Because I would make the worst ship ever. Just the one that looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd lose. I'd get completely blasted off the map. I mean, uh, okay, the biggest uh, option you can do is $369. You can play 4 by 4 battles. And, yeah, well, you get a bunch of shit with it. And 172 people were like, fuck yeah, that's what I want. Let's do that. And so, yeah. Uh, I mean, this does seem cool, but I just don't understand like who it's marketed to. But obviously, that doesn't matter. It looks like enough people were like, "Fuck yeah, let's do this shit. Let's let's buy it. You know, this is gonna be awesome. Let's do it." So yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's gonna do pretty well, I guess. I just wonder if it'll ever show up in my FLGS, or I guess eventually it'll be at Miniature Market. I I guess you know. I'll, I'll let you know if I see it there. Yeah, and Roy, if you're going to Gen Con, you should you should hop on a demo of it. See how it goes. Yeah, I think I will. I can uh, I can bring it. All right. The next thing we had uh, is a Kickstarter for this ship is a tomb. I didn't say anything about Gen Con. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I did. I wish I could be there. Um, this is a procedurally generated derelict crawl from Mothership First Edition through a shifting transdimensional vessel. And that's all we get, because this Kickstarter has not launched yet. It comes from... So, yeah. It says it's for use with Mothership, which, so Mothership is, is a rule set, right? Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's something I own a ton of, and I recently yeah. reached out to my friend, I was like, we should fucking play this game sometime, because I'm reasonably sure I have three feet worth of zines and bullshit for this game and we've never played it so <laughs> and he's like okay okay so when the first edition box set comes out which i did back uh i, I when when it comes out it's like we'll start playing so i guess we'll see from there it's the sci-fi horror um it's kind of like uh osr for sci-fi i think is is okay. a good explanation of it so this reminds me of the Black Hole movie. Oh, yeah. Or, or, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I fucking love the idea of a ghost. Or Alien, of course. Yeah, a ghost ship, you know. It's like, well, let's go check this out. Fucking the greatest fucking movie ever was Event Horizon. And, oh, yeah. And it was fantastic. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, see it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, That yeah. movie blew me away because I was not expecting that. <laughs> I was I expecting a sci-fi movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Again, regarded as in the canon of uh, 40k. Yes, even I though it's not. Really? Yeah, I could see yeah. that. Uh, and again, let's steer this back to Cthulhu. So yeah, Eldricara, right there, baby. It's yeah. it's all there. 
I just I just love like some of the lines in there are fantastic. <clears throat> They're very much like what you would think a normal person would say. Like when it gets so bad and Lawrence Fishburne is like, Fuck this ship. We're leaving. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh no, we don't need to we don't need to find out why or what or <laughs> or try to fix it. Fuck this, we're out. Enough has happened. Yeah, so anyway. On to uh, actual news, and I was pleased to find this today from uh, Dean Spencer, uh, a stock art creator who does fantasy and sci-fi covers. Uh, took it upon himself to add Jay and Silent Bob to a um, a painting, and is fucking fantastic. Jay Muse <laughs> tweeted it, and it's like, yeah, I love the 15 silver little man. Put that shit in my hand. And so you got, you know, Warrior... <laughs> You got warrior bards going berserker, trolls named pillow pants. Hey, lady, have you had your bunk piece licked by a halfling in an overcoat? Nooch. So, yeah. It's fucking fantastic. Love you know, it. Uh, Muse is a, back in the day, I think, was a big Necromunda fan. Really? When he was when he was tweaking, he was, and I've heard, listening to his uh, uh, podcast that he was on, like that was one of the things that he kind of used to get sober was painting Necromunda figures. Yeah, I had not heard that, and I actually want to get that. Um, I want to get that uh, off the ground in my area as well. So, uh, yeah, uh, I do see some uh, some things in a quick Google about the um, him collecting Warhammer. So interesting. All right, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna jump on that later. So, uh, anyway, uh, the next thing I had was Steamforge Games acquired Rivet Wars. And I only mentioned this because it's it's a miniature board game done by Cool Mini or Not, uh, who I've, pick, I've picked up on, like, super cheap sales from Miniature Market and whatnot. So, I have not got it to the table, but I think I own like four or five boxes of it because I was buying them at like $5 a piece or something fucking ridiculous so uh yeah i mean it's kind of cool it's kind of like chibi world war ii type stuff but you know anyway so speaking of cool mini or not uh they yeah we got a lot of them on here <laughs> yeah there's a lot they apparently acquired trude vang lexicultum and ruin masters from riot mines i know they they had been working on a trude vang um board game for a while and damn it it's that's a really cool low fantasy series that i've been really fucking interested in but ended up buying into it and lexicultum too and just not fucking reading it and i feel i feel terrible because now they bought this and who knows what they're going to do with it uh yeah so yeah I I don't know why they bought it. I know I guess they I, I guess they got a deal. I've never even heard of Ruin Masters, but um, I know they were doing the Trude Vang um, board game, and that's probably why they you know just bought it. And so you know there you go. Maybe this will make me um, actually read and possibly play the games I purchased. But I don't know why would you do that. You know, okay, I will say that it's not as bad as miniatures. Like, you know, when you get those, they take up a lot more space than you buying books. But books are heavier. 
But it, it is a really interesting thing. Like, you buy modules for RPGs, but you don't read them because you're like, well, I don't want to spoil it because I want to be able to play this. But it may happen to be where you end up running it. So then you have to read it. So I don't feel so bad about, you know, having so many RPGs laying around my house unread. But anyway. So, also, uh, cool mini or not, picked up this tiny, insignificant IP from an indie author that no one had ever fucking heard of. And because of that, they had to go to Kickstarter. Because, damn, <laughs> no one would ever ever spend any money on this coming from it's this ip no one ever heard of uh based on a series of books by an author no one ever heard of so they have to fucking go to kickstarter with it and didn't that guy die yeah yeah they didn't finish it the author's fucking dead you know so yeah they're taking an incredible risk here so they have to go to kickstarter to do dune war for arrakis the board game just so suckers will prepay for this shit and then they may or may not deliver it so there you go dune is the new zombies yeah i guess <laughs> which my kid i've got uh, one of my kids reads a lot and she's like oh you know dune just sounds so interesting but she's like ah sci-fi stuff just gets so complicated and blah, blah. i'm like no the movies aren't you can literally follow the movies easily it's like, you know, follow the, you know, I'm like, just watch the movies. Fuck, watch the David Lynch one from the 80s. It's great. And, you know, and if it interests you enough, like, read the book, you know. Don't don't kind of be turned away from it just thinking it's, you know, uh, complex or whatever. Yeah. Which, I liked the new one. I thought it was pretty good. I yeah. mean, it didn't blow me away, but I thought it was good. And my daughter liked it. She's fangirling over whatever the actor is. Momoa? Oh. No, yeah. no, no, the, the the young foppish guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean... Oh, Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet, that's him, yeah. W- would have never in a million years guessed that name. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I mean, I loved it. I, I mean, I've, I've loved the, the David Lynch version. And, look, if nothing else, read the first book. If you've never read it, read the first book. But be prepared. Past that, it gets balls out weird insane the further you go Do, I would, I've never gone past the third book it's just too fucking weird it gets really deep and political and you know all this weird shit that he's doing and okay and I apologize you know if it's just me and my dumb ass that's my reaction to it if you listening to this podcast have read it and you're like you know oh yeah fuck you you're dumb i understood that completely blah 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 blah. well good i don't i don't get it there i have to like follow along like with a guide book online to see to like oh he's referencing this back in this book and this and that and you know but anyway so, but yeah, at the very least, read the first book. It's very approachable. It's really good. And uh, yeah, I recommend any of the movies. I recommend all the fucking TV shows. They're great. And so, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Catalyst Games, once again, butting heads with its fans over fucking IPs. And uh, they have a statement. I'll link here in the show notes. Uh, regarding online Battletech communities, and they... Uh, 
for whatever reason have decided they don't like you using their pictures and their uh, artwork or your version of it and all this stuff and look I, okay I'll give them that honestly the Battletech IP is kind of on shaky ground it always has been that's the nature of Battletech is the mechs are on a very shaky IP because it's coming from like 13 different fucking countries, I swear. And, you know, over a dozen decades, it seems like, I don't know. You know, they swear Alexander Graham Bell created the Warhammer. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what they say. And, uh, yeah, I get that part. But I also get like, look, you've got to figure out a way to work with your fan base over stuff like that. Because they're the guys that, uh, you know, continually buy your shit. Like that guy at North Texas RPG Con that was going to fight me over uh, the fucking uh, <laughs> Kickstarter. You don't want to piss... That's who you want. Yeah, That's who you want. You know, you don't want to piss that guy off. Where he's like, fuck this. No, Adam was right. I got fucked in the Kickstarter. Yeah, fuck you guys. I'm never buying anything again. You don't want to do that. So just be careful. And so, there you go. And lighter news, Roll20 is teaming up with Drive Through RPG. So, yay? I think it's just going to be make it where I can integrate my Drive Through RPG PDFs easier. And I'm actually Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. It makes total sense. I mean, I I I really do. I mean, honestly, I have not settled on a good virtual tabletop i'm heavily invested into fantasy grounds but sometimes i feel like i'm in an abusive relationship like <laughs> i i should have left them like but instead i keep buying stuff and eh, i don't know i i guess i should look more into roll 20 because i know like coming up in the fall and having to go back to work and the Tabletop Club is, like, wanting to actually run some 5th uh, edition stuff, which I'm going to have to learn between now and then. Uh, but I, I, this sounds really cool because it's anything that, like, I can output via projector, like, in a classroom-type setting is really, really good. So I, I hope it works out really good. And um, I'm going to try this out and see how it goes. And instead of having to actually worry about like official modules being done or you know whatever if i could just like buy a um you know just a module and be able to drop my maps and you know all that stuff in there really easy that would be so freaking cool so i hope it works and the next thing oh yeah modifius has announced d20 day which uh, we're recording this on the 17th. So you got three days. It's coming. They're going to have 20% off their core RPG products, which eh, that might be a little better than Amazon. Maybe. I'm not sure. It seems like because they're based out of like Europe, it seems like their stuff is usually about 10% off. But they, they do have a U.S. Uh, store now, so eh, I don't know. So I'm going to like look at that and uh, see how it goes. 
And uh, last thing is, who wants to tell me about the uh, Spiel des Jahres? Oh, I put that on there. Uh, so, I've, have you guys played any of these? Um, I'm looking at the list now. Which I guess there's not too many on there. So I played Cascadia, which I thought was all right. Um, I don't know if it, you know... So it's the tile-laying game, and it's uh, sort of like if you played Ecos, kind of has the same sort of feel to it. Um, yeah, and it's a tile-laying game. See, I would a for, for a sure play it again. AEG is putting that out. Yes. Looks like, okay. And uh, yeah. what does it have to do with, like, there's, like, a deer on it? So I'm just curious. Well, it's from the, the Cascade Range in... Uh, um, well, I guess in the Pacific Northwest, up into Canada. Oh. So, and it's been a while since I played it. Um, you, um, each turn, you're drawing either a animal tile or a, a terrain tile, and you the terrain tiles kind of say what sorts of animals can go onto there, and you're trying to fulfill uh, victory conditions. Like so, you the to set up the game, they you deal out I think three or four different um, sort of point conditions. So like, um, uh, how many bears that you have that are next to water is is the kind of the winning um, condition. And so you kind of you count up all the bears that are next to water, and you have that many points. Um, you count up whoever has the largest land mass of a particular type you win uh, those points based on that yeah so it's a tile lane game with animals and the artwork is pretty nice so that's uh, Cascadia that came out and won the Spildiaris for this year alright I have not played what Seven Wonders Architects is on there never played that um, and I've never heard of a lot of these other ones yeah I haven't played any of them yeah, it's, it's oh. always like, well, sometimes I have to, like, wait for it to get, you know, translated and brought over and, you know, but, yeah. Oh, Dune Imperium was on there as a nomination. What? But did not win. That that minor game we were just talking about? Okay. No, this is a little bit different. It's a different I'm, one, yeah. Uh, as I recall, this is uh, kind of a faction. Uh, you're, you're kind of uh, gaining favor with different factions I think yeah that's how that works and I think at the end of every turn there's a battle I have a friend that has a copy of this hmm. so, okay still the came out alright well I guess that uh, is the end of us and here for this episode you can always find Roy at Roy Toy Cowboy on Twitter and Richard at Tripper junior so there you go and we love twitter that's like where we're at mostly if there's been a big like rumor that roy has an only fans but i cannot comment <laughs> can't comment on that so you know do i do yo-yo trick yeah anyway so uh i guess that's it and uh we'll talk to you guys later good night, good night everybody oh i think we nailed it people